You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Good morning, New Spring Church across all of our campuses. Welcome to church today. I'm so excited to preach for the next three hours. I officially declare October the best month of the year. It's an official declaration that I wanna make right now. I don't know what heaven's gonna be like for you, but when I get to heaven, it's gonna be October for eternity in Jesus' name. Hey, there's so much bad news that we could focus on in the world right now, but when you come to New Spring on a Sunday and you gather at your campus or even when you watch online, I want you to know that this is a place where we celebrate good things. And I wanna celebrate some good things right off the bat today to get our hearts in the right place. First of all, you may not know this, but Friday night at our Greenville campus, we had Spanish night of worship and it was phenomenal. The room was packed There were 17 different countries represented at our Greenville campus on Friday night. 17 different nations represented. You also may not know this, but every single Sunday for our 1115 gathering, our team led by Charlie Betrago translates our service into Spanish. This is how we as a church put on display one of our values of pursuing uncommon unity. We don't care one bit about making a name for New Spring Church, but we have committed our lives to making the name of Jesus famous among the nations. It's who we are, it's what we do so that everyone everywhere can have an everyday relationship with Jesus. I also wanna celebrate this, that over the last month, you guys may not know this, but uh, I'm an evangelist, I'm a pastor here, but I've been preaching for 35 years. To the glory of God, I wanna let you know that it's not all bad news in the earth right now. In the month of September, I personally saw over 1,000 people pray to receive Christ and give their lives to Jesus just in the month of September. God is doing great things and we're in an amazing series where we're preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And what I get to do today is I get to preach on the most misquoted verse in the Bible. Aren't you happy about that? You know, just because you say something, it doesn't make it true. There are all sorts of things that people think are Bible verses and they're really not. For instance, God helps those who help themselves. Well, that's not in the Bible anywhere and it's also stupid. We can't help ourselves, that's why we need God. It's why Jesus died on the cross. How about this one? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, I hope you're clean and I hope you bathed in the last month, but you can still go to heaven even if you're not physically clean. That's not in the Bible. Here is a verse that I wanna preach about today that gets so misunderstood and so misquoted. I wanna help us understand the context of this verse. Let me set it up this way. I attended a high school called Hillcrest. And our big rival was Malden, still are. There was one year right after I graduated high school that one of, in my opinion, the top 10 best basketball players in NBA history played at Malden for one year. His name is Kevin Garnett. 
I love watching him play basketball. One of my favorites of all time. He won a championship with the Celtics. Kevin Garnett made, a, a, made this verse famous in tattoo form. Now, if you have a tattoo, that's great. You can get as many tattoos as you want to. I'm not getting one because I hate pain and I hate needles and I'll be 50 next month and I don't want a tattoo right here today to be at my wrist by the time I turn 70. So you get all the tattoos you want. I'm not getting one. But Kevin Garnett made this verse famous when he got a tattoo on his arm that said, and I quote, only God can judge me. You remember a few weeks ago, Brad talked about Tupac theology. Tupac Shakur had a song that said, only God can judge me. And that kind of is now the way our culture thinks about God. It's how our culture thinks about judgment. Only God can judge me. Well, let's see what Jesus had to say about the matter because that's what we're doing in this series. We're getting heaven's view on the matter. Jesus in Matthew chapter seven, one through six, had some things to say about judgment. Let's just let Jesus speak to us. Verse one, do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you'll be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye. Or, verse four, how can you say to your brother, um, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. I wanna pause right there, keep the verse up. Last week, Brad explained to us that in the center of the Sermon on the Mount, in the very middle of it is this concept of the good eye and the bad eye. And the perspective with which we see the world defines our existence and defines our eternity. Jesus is now expanding on that truth that we have eyes with which to see and he uses this exaggeration of a splinter and a beam of wood. Verse five, hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Now that's the anchoring text of our Sermon on the Mount message today. Judge not, that's the King James. That's how people always quote it. The most misquoted verse in the Bible. Judge not, lest ye be judged. But I wanna unpack this and show you that Jesus is saying way more than we think. He is not giving us permission to sin. He is not giving us a green light to do whatever we want to do and then say, well, I'm good because nobody judges me. There's more to it than that. 
First of all, God alone passes final judgment. This is God's responsibility. This is God's, one of his primary jobs as God. God alone passes final judgment. Now there are reasons why this just makes sense. I wrote a couple of these down in my notes. God has the advantage over us because God is perfect. One of the reasons we don't wanna be judged by other people, one of the reasons why we are told in Matthew 7, 1 to not pass judgment on others is because none of us are perfect. So I don't have perfection from which I can judge you. I am not on a pedestal from which I can tell you that I know the motives of your heart. You probably heard the old phrase, why don't you clean up your backyard before you start trying to clean up mine? That's the heart of God. But because God is perfect, God has, I love this, God has total knowledge of everything. So God, not only, he's well within his rights and his responsibility to reserve the right of judgment for himself because God not only sees everything we do, God sees why we do it. See, I've said this before from this stage as one of your pastors, I don't really struggle so much. I'm a rule breaker by nature, but I've also learned this, that my biggest sins are not the ones I do outwardly because I've kind of figured out there are certain behaviors that I need to basically stay within the parameters of if I'm gonna be a, a pastor and an overseer in this house and if I'm gonna be a minister of the gospel, married to Shari, a dad to Jacob and Jojo. It's the things I think. It's the motives behind the things I do. Sometimes, I'm confessing this to you, sometimes I do the right things for the wrong motives. God sees that. God knows that. God knows when I do something that's good on the outside, but inside I have a selfish motive because I want to look good, because I want people to notice me, because I want to impress people. God sees motive where we don't. That is why judgment belongs to God. We are a church that believes in the grace of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And we believe in it because this book, the Bible, teaches it. Do you know what else this book teaches? That for all of us, there will be a payday someday. That all of us will one day stand before God to give an account for not just everything we did, but for every idle word that came out of our mouth. And I'm a terrible pastor if I don't teach us this truth. We're a terrible team of preachers and pastors and elders if we are not warning you that one day this world will come to an end and there will be an eternity and we will spend, all of us, forever, somewhere, heaven or hell. So God will rightly, correctly, justly judge the living and the dead eventually. And when I became a Christian at age 14, in 1987, that was one of the realities that fell on me like a weight of guilt. I realized I'm gonna have to answer for my sin unless I let Jesus take it away from me. God alone passes final judgment. But from this scripture, we also see, number two, that kingdom people, that's us, Christians, kingdom people choose helping others over judging others. Let God be in charge of final judgment. 
our responsibility is to help each other. We need each other. And I love the example that Jesus uses. My dad owned an electric motor shop. And when I was a little kid, my dad was welding. He was welding uh, some, some steel on a motor housing. I was working at my dad's shop then. He took the welding mask off and he took a chisel and he was with a hammer trying to knock off some of the hot metal to get it to where it would fit. And he got a, pea, a small, tiny, microscopic piece of hot metal in his eye. I've never seen my dad freak out so fast. If you've ever gotten a gnat, in your eye, a piece of sawdust in your eye. It's October. Half of y'all, when I said October was gonna be my heavenly reality forever, y'all were like, in Jesus' name, not me. There will be no Zyrtec in heaven. <laughs> you know what it's like when you get something in your eye? Your eye is so sensitive. And here is the picture that Jesus is painting. When you get a speck of dust, a speck of sawdust, when you get one little thing in your eye, you can't see everything stops. So what kingdom people do, instead of sitting back and saying, you horrible, terrible person, you have something in your eye, our job is to help each other get it out. You go to the doctor, you go see a nurse, you go call your wife or your husband, come in here and you're trying to hold your eye open and they're trying to dig it out and they're squirting eye drops in it and you're cussing in your heart, not out loud because you don't wanna have to repent, but you know it's a sin when you cuss in your heart too, just saying that just for your sake. When you've got something in your eye, you need your brother and sister to help you. But here's the problem. Jesus says, for those of y'all that are self-righteous and filled with pride, you're not looking at the world through the good eye of grace. You're looking at the world through the bad eye of pride. Yeah. So, just absurd exaggeration here. You've got a log, a big beam of wood in your own eye, and you're trying to take the speck out of somebody else's? How absurd. Um, I thought I would show you what this might look like with um, some Anderson, South Carolina uh, wood. <laughs> Thank you, Trevor Cox. He brought this from his backyard. Let me show you what this looks like. Are you ready? This is gross exaggeration, absolute absurdity, hello. Hey, Donna and Keith Shepard down there on the front row here at the Anderson campus. From where I'm standing, it looks like you've got something in your eye. Come here and let me help you with that. Oh, you know what happens when you've got a big log stuck in your eye? You're banging around, you're hitting people, you're knocking stuff off the shelf, you're, you're doing damage. Also, when you've got this log in your eye, you can't even get close enough to see what's in your neighbor's eye. You're not helping them, you're hurting them. Self-righteous judgment doesn't help anybody. Self-righteous judgment also makes us look like fools. Don't I look ridiculous? How long do you think I can do this? Not really long, because you start to get tired. It wears you out. To be self-righteous and pass judgment on your brothers and... Actually, I think I got something in my eye. This is perfect. This is actually not what I had planned, but I think I got something in my eye. Can you come on up? No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to come up here and help me out. You see how ridiculous this looks? When we walk around with a big log in our eye, that's how the world sees us. 
We think we look so self-righteous. We think we're helping people so much when we judge them. Now, I'm going to unpack this in just a second. When we judge people, it's just like walking around with a log or a beam out of your eye. You can't even get close enough to them to help them because nobody wants to be friends with somebody that judges with self-righteous arrogance and pride like this. What you're doing is every time you go out in an attitude of self-righteousness, you create a bubble around yourself and no one feels like they can talk to you, trust you, get to know you, believe in you. We're not helping anybody when we set ourselves up to be judges. And you know what we're doing? We're looking at the world through the bad eye. The bad eye of judgment, not the good eye of God's mercy and grace. I'm just gonna leave this right here and believe in Jesus' name that I will be able to see out of my right eye for the rest of the day. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? The plank obstructs your vision. It pushes people away. It causes damage. But I have to point this out from Matthew 7. There's a difference in passing judgment and making a judgment. Now, this is going to be really helpful for you, church. This is really going to help you here. It helps me. We are not called to pass judgment on other people. But every day we have to make judgments. It's called discernment. It's called wisdom. It doesn't mean that I can't ever make a judgment. Jesus actually says as much in John chapter 7, verse 24. I'm going to read this to you. It's going to be up on the screens. Jesus didn't tell us not to judge. He just wants us to judge accurately and correctly. Matthew 7, 1 says, do not judge or you will be judged with the same measure you pour out. But Jesus also says in John 7, 24, stop judging according to outward appearances. Rather, judge according to righteous judgment. So that means every day of my life, I have to make judgment calls with God's wisdom on what's right, what's wrong, what's best, what's worst what's sinful and what's righteous, what's bad and what's good. And we as a church want to teach you that you do that from the Scripture. We make good, proper, righteous judgments from the Scripture, not judging other people, but helping each other as the family of God, as the community of faith. Passing judgment is the ultimate form of idolatry because when I pass judgment on my sister or my brother, I in pride make myself out to be like God. That's what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. But in humility, when we practice making a judgment, we're using discernment. And let me throw this in. When a church leader, when a brother or a sister, when a friend, when one of your pastors, when someone corrects you, when someone that loves you helps you see properly that a decision you've made or a pattern of your life or, or some sin that you're involved in, when someone offers loving biblical correction, I wanna say this very clearly, that is not spiritual abuse. That's not church hurt. If you wanna go to a place where everybody affirms everything that you do and nobody ever tells you that you're wrong, and God never offends you with the scripture, then the church of Jesus Christ is always gonna be a place that feels uncomfortable for you. 
But when you understand that God loves you so much that through your brothers, your sisters, community, the scripture, the preaching of the word, the teaching of the word, from Kids Spring and everything else that we do, that we are all on a journey together of being formed and shaped into the likeness of Christ. And none of us is perfect and we all know that. We know we're not perfect, but we want to grow and we want to change. Then we will begin to be people that practice wisdom and discernment. It's not church hurt, it's not abuse. When God tells me I'm wrong, matter of fact, I know that in my life, the proof that I'm a Christian is not that I prayed a prayer in 1987 at a little church in Greer, South Carolina. The proof I'm saved is that when I sin, God tells me I'm wrong. When I sin, God convicts me. That's how I know I'm saved. That's how I know, I, I know that Jesus lives in me. Here's an example that I think will help you understand this. Um, one of the things I love about October, it's not just the crisp weather, it's not just the changing of the leaves, it's high school football. Friday night lights. Oh my goodness gracious. We got, I've got a, we got a friend here from Australia who's visiting Josh Bull and, uh, and we, he and I were talking in the lobby before the service and he's like, he came to Friday night uh, football here in Anderson on Friday night and I was asking him about it. He's like, oh mate, I didn't know that you love football. So, I'm ter- that's such a terrible, Riley, I'm so sorry. You literally almost fell out of your seat laughing at my Australian accent. It was so bad, I know, but it was so funny. At least I tried. He could not understand our obsession with Friday night football. Let me tell you what happened this past Friday night. I'm gonna get really excited. I played for Hillcrest High School in the 1900s. My son plays for T.L. Hannah. T.L. Hannah didn't really have a shot, according to most people, to beat Hillcrest because Hillcrest is really good right now. Really bad when I played, really good right now. So Shari and I go to the game on Friday night. I've got friends that I played high school football with back at Hillcrest who have got children playing for Hillcrest now and they are texting me trash all day long. Are y'all even gonna gain a first down? Are you gonna even score a point? Are you even gonna show up? You might as well put your third string in because Hillcrest is gonna wipe your nose with the Kleenex of victory. I mean, they were talking so much trash to me and I I was being very godly and I was controlling myself, but I was, I, was, I was passing judgment on those guys. I was, I was like, God, if you love me, will you give <laughs> Teal Hannah victory? We get to the game Friday night and here's what happens. Here's the difference between passing judgment and making a judgment. The whole game, the referees are making judgment calls. The whole game, fans in the stands are making judgment calls. You should pass the ball. Run it to the other side. Blitz five instead of three. Everybody in the stands is making judgment calls. At the end of the game, judgment was passed. Not by fans, not by players, not by referees, but by the scoreboard. That's the difference between making a judgment and passing judgment. And by the way, T.L. Hannah beat Hillcrest 14 to 13, regional champs. No offense to anybody at our Greenville campus that went to Hill, I went to Hillcrest. And that's the point. The point is there is an ultimate authority that gets to have the final say. In high school football, it's the scoreboard like that scoreboard last night that said Tennessee beat Alabama. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. 
Love it or hate it, there is a scoreboard that gives the final judgment. You're not the scoreboard. I'm not the scoreboard. I don't get the final say, neither do you. We will look at people at New Spring Church through the eye of grace, the good eye, not the eye of pride and self-righteousness. Why does all this matter? Because number four, Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. That was his mission. Now, Jesus will eventually stand as judge, but that's not his purpose. His purpose is to save. I will let Jesus say this for himself because he does in John 3, 17. In John 3, 17, right after Jesus says John 3, 16, we all know that verse, and if you don't, it's pretty simple. In John 3, 16, Jesus says to Nicodemus, a religious leader, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting eternal life. And most of us stop right there. But did you know that Jesus said some more things after that? Like in the same breath almost? John three seventeen. Jesus said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. This is good news. This is what we call the gospel, that God does not want to condemn us. He doesn't want to judge us. He wants to save us. That's why he sent Jesus. So when we believe this to be true, that Jesus didn't come to condemn us, that Jesus came to save us, here's what we get to do. We get to change our view. We get to shift our perspective. We get to stop looking at people through the bad eye of condemnation, self-righteous pride, and judgment. We switch to a different perspective, the good eye of mercy and grace. And we realize that everybody we're looking at with our eyes are just as broken as we are, just as imperfect as we are, just as sinful as we are. Doesn't matter if your issue is sexuality or pride or greed or the love of money or just plain old-fashioned laziness. We're all equal in God's eyes. Every one of us, fully loved, fully known, pursued by the grace of God. And when this shift takes place, it's beautiful. We replace assuming the worst about people with believing the best about others. And that's who we are as a church. I declare it. I declare it out loud. I prophesy it from the scripture. As the people of God, we don't have to assume the worst about anybody. We can believe the best about others. I've said this for years. Evangelism is simply us joining God in a conversation he's having with other people. And when we understand that it's not our job, our calling, not even our right to pass judgment on others, then we become the hands and feet of Jesus, welcoming people, inviting people into a journey, bringing them to Jesus through our kindness, through our compassion. When we take the log out of our own eye, when we set down this big, obstructive, destructive um, tool that we think is making us look better, but it actually makes Jesus look worse, then we can actually see to help people and they can see to help us. We're looking through the good 
I. When you get to the end of this passage of Scripture, Jesus in Matthew 7 is saying, you don't have to judge. Don't worry. God will take care of that. Your responsibility is to love each other. Your responsibility is to help each other. Your responsibility, everybody together walking towards Jesus, failing and getting back up again, messing up and receiving mercy. That is what the kingdom of God is like. We are people who repent We are people who turn around. We're people who change. We're going one direction and we turn around and go the other. We get heaven's view on the matter and then we say, God, I'm sorry I'm wrong. Help me change. Hey, church, that's not just a place I wanna be a part of. That's a place I am a part of. This is a family I belong to. We're not a perfect church. And if you think we're perfect, you're wrong. We're not. But we're gonna be a church that continues to teach this truth from the scripture that shows not only what the Bible says, but what it means to you. Is there somebody you need to stop judging? Is there someone you need to forgive? Do you need to put the log down? Do you need to take that great, big, huge obstruction and just say, Jesus, help me take, listen, I was raised very conservative. I was raised almost fundamentalist. I mean, we put the fun and fundy, fundamentalist. I'm serious. It took me years. I'm still learning to offer grace. I'm still learning not to pass judgment because I don't want people judging me. I should, in Jesus' name, return the same grace to everybody else because what happens when we set ourselves up as self-righteous is that we wind up crushed under the weight of judgment. And here are the two outcomes that all of us will eventually face. Everyone, if you're watching us online today, If you're at our Hilton Head campus or our Lake Wiley campus or right here in Anderson, if you just happen to stumble across this message months or years after I preach it, there are only two outcomes for every single human being. Here they are. Number one, you have been judged already in Jesus. Meaning, Jesus took the penalty for your sin Jesus was judged on the cross at the crucifixion so that you wouldn't have to be. Somebody else took your punishment. His name is Jesus. And so because of what Jesus did for you and for me on the cross 2,000 years ago, in six days I'm leaving with my wife and we're going to that place. And in just a few days, in less than a week, I'll be where that happened and I will get to One more time, fall on my knees and worship that Jesus took the judgment, the righteous, true, pure judgment of God. He took it. I was judged in Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. So option one, either you have already been judged in Jesus and you you don't have to worry about being judged one day. You are declared innocent by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Your sins are washed away, you're forgiven. That's option number one. Or option number two, you will be judged eventually by Jesus. You don't want that option. I beg you, don't take that option. You'll regret it for eternity. You will be judged eventually by Jesus if you don't repent and humble yourself and receive his grace. So those are your choices. You've been judged already in Jesus and you're innocent, you're a child of God, or you will eventually be judged by Jesus and he won't mess up, he won't make any mistakes. When Jesus judges, he always judges correctly because he's God. This is the invitation today at all of our campuses. 
All throughout this series, we've had a time of response where you can respond in multiple ways. But I want to give you a chance right now because there are tens of thousands of people watching this. And I'm just going to assume, this is an assumption I make every time I preach that someone needs to get saved, that someone needs to have confidence where they've had confusion. And I want to tell you how you right now can, can remove the judgment from your life and the guilt. Just receive what Jesus did for you. So I'm gonna ask every one of us all across our campuses and even watching online right now, would you close your eyes? Would you pray to God? And if you have never truly given your life to Jesus and received his mercy and grace, this is a chance for you to do that. Do it right now. I'm gonna tell you how. I'm not just gonna lead you to water. I'm gonna show you how to drink deep of the living water of the gospel with eyes closed and hearts open. If you have been compelled by the Holy Spirit that you need to be saved right now, You wanna nail it down right now. Just ask Jesus to save you. I'm gonna walk you through a prayer. And if you mean it and you understand what you're doing, he'll begin right now a new work in your life. He'll save you and he'll declare you innocent and you will not have to worry about being judged in eternity. Pray this to Jesus right now if you wanna become a Christian for real because he's listening. Just pray this to him. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I repent of my sin, I'm sorry. I know you love me. I know you died for my sin. So I give you my sin and I receive your salvation. Save me right now, Jesus. I open my heart to you and I give you my life. I love you, Jesus, and I believe in you. I'm yours. Now, before anybody even opens their eyes, we're gonna have a time of response in about a minute. But at your campus, I can't can't count. I'm not at most campuses. I'm only here in Anderson. But I wanna ask if you just prayed that prayer to Jesus, eyes closed and hearts open, would you just raise your hand straight up above your head right now and keep it up for just a second as a public indication that you just prayed to receive Christ. Can you raise them up right now? Just keep them up for about five seconds. Just keep them up. Keep them up for just a second. God sees your hand, but he also sees your heart and he knows that you have just responded to the gospel. Okay, you can put your hands down. Now I'm gonna invite everybody to do this. Open your eyes at every campus. And I'm gonna invite everyone to stand up on their feet together right now for our time of response. I wanna celebrate something. I can only see this room, but 11 people in this room just raised their hand to indicate that they prayed to receive Christ just at this campus. And we give God the glory for that. Here is how we're gonna respond at your campus right now. Multiple ways. First of all, if you are someone that just prayed to receive Christ, as soon as I say amen, we're gonna have a time for you to come and and at your campus, we want you to go find someone and let them know that you prayed to receive Christ. We have a cross in every one of our campuses right now, right there in the room. And I'm gonna invite you, if you prayed to receive Christ, as soon as we begin to move, would you go to that cross and just write your name on a piece of paper and put it up on that cross. There'll be someone there that can pray with you. 
We also have ministry teams all over your room, right where you are. And if you need prayer for healing or if you need prayer for emotional support or you're dealing with something really hard or you need someone to help you, we've got ministry teams right there to receive you. Also at your campus, we have communion stations. This has been so special in this series where believers in Jesus Christ who are Christians can go and take communion and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You can also worship right where you are and you can give of your tithes and your offerings. So ministry teams are gonna move to their positions at your campus right now. And as soon as I say amen, I'm gonna invite people to begin to move and respond in one of those five ways. To go to the cross if you gave your life to Jesus. To come for prayer, you can write a prayer request down on a card and leave it there and we'll pray for you. To receive communion, to go pray with someone or to worship right where you are. Jesus, thank you that you took the judgment we deserved so that we wouldn't have to suffer. And I pray today you would make us people that leave the judgment up to you and the loving and the grace and the mercy is how you flow through us. Thank you for those who have been saved today. We give you the honor and the glory for that miracle in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina. Thank you.